Welcome back to the CMA Construction Leaders Podcast. We're back here on episode three of season three, and I wanted to welcome back Carly Trout. Carly, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very much, Nick. So let's jump into today's episode. Uh, we'll be talking about the importance of quality today. As you may know, the three pillars of construction management or project management for any industry for that matter are time, cost, and quality. That being said, project teams can often be so focused on being reactive to the more obvious time and cost restraints that they may overlook being proactive about the quality management process and all it entails. However, having a project be completed on time or under budget isn't as meaningful if that same project doesn't meet the quality standards or satisfy the needs of the owner and users and other stakeholders. Here today to discuss quality management and how to improve quality on your projects is Brian Krasensi, PE and resident engineer at Cannon Fleming. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. Well, thank you. Can you get us started by introducing yourself to our listeners and tell us how you got started in construction and specifically your interest in quality management? Okay, sure. So I've been uh, working for about 25 years now, and I first got started in quality back when I was a young engineer with three, four years experience working at Parsons Brinkerhoff, and they came around looking for volunteers to help with their internal quality audits. And they said, are you interested? And I said, sure. I always thought it was good to you know, show interest and look to get involved with different things besides just the typical engineering design work. So that's how I initially got started. And at the time, I was just working with the office uh, quality coordinator. All I had was a checklist, some basic training on what the stuff was, what we were looking for, but but the whole concepts of quality and you know, where, where these items are coming from, what they mean, why they're important, I actually didn't really uh, know much about. When I was going to business school at, at NYU at night, they had a, a course called Managing for Quality. And I'm like, hey, I'm involved with quality and work. Let me, let me take this class. And it was actually one of the, the best classes they had because it was really, even though people say, oh, it was managing for quality, but in reality, basically it's just about management in general, trying to meet your clients' requirements and their stated needs. So basically, again, very useful from that point of view. And that, that really, I learned the background of it and and why we had all the different requirements on our checklists and stuff like that, where ISO requirements are coming from. So that really gave me like a good foundation in that. And then what happened was I uh, switched from design work to the construction side. The governor, Mario Cuomo Bridge, which goes over the Hudson River, just north of New York City, about 20, 25 miles north of the city. I joined the, the consultant that was the Thruway Authority's design and construction oversight engineers. So... I joined that team during the materials quality testing and evaluation and data analysis. And that got me onto the construction side. And then from there, I joined Gannett Fleming. After that project was a little over five years long. And then I joined Gannett. And then I've been here now just past five years, actually, at the end of January. So I've been on the construction side now for going on 10 years. It's good to meet you and we hear your background, but for our listeners who are a little bit newer or just happen to upon this podcast, can you give a little briefing on what quality management is in the construction process? That's uh, the basic definition from the uh, American Society for Quality is, is meeting the client's stated or implied needs. So it could be stated in an RFP or design documents or uh, contract. 
And then there's also implied deeds that aren't necessarily always standard in there, but are just standard industry practices, but meeting those requirements. It's actually very broad of a concept. And on the construction side, it, it could be whether you're a construction management firm representing the client and meeting their needs and those services that you're providing, a contractor side, meeting the design document requirements, material quality requirements could be involved in that as well. There's different approaches each side would take, different sets of requirements they have to meet, but you want to meet those. You want to have you know proper workmanship, you want to have proper services being provided for inspection purposes, tracking the work, payments, schedule, reviews, stuff like that on the client side for the CM part as well. So when we hear about quality, we, of course, hear QA and also QC. Can you differentiate those two for us? And what's your definition of those? And what is the CM's role? What might it look like for each of those? Sure. So for everyone actually has QA and QC. Uh, I know a lot of times you'll hear the CM is the QA and the contractor has QC. And to a certain respect, that's true. But both people, uh, both sides actually have QA and QC. So QC is the part of quality management focused on meeting the client's needs. And then the QA part of it is the part focused on getting the confidence that those needs are being met, right? On a CM side, all your daily things and processes that you have laid out would be your QC level stuff. So whether it's scheduling inspectors, doing schedule reviews, tracking payment quantities, reviewing daily inspection reports, having inspectors write those reports, all those typical activities are going to be set up. That's on your QC level. Your quality assurance level would be items such as management reviews, senior management reviews, and audits to make sure that all of those processes are in place, that filing is set up correct, you're handling all of all the items according to the procedures that you set up, and that all those items are actually getting done. So that would be your QA level, the confidence level of it. On the contractor side, similar situation. They'll have a QC on, on their materials. Their uh, material meeting the specifications for that. They'll have even their own quality assurance, doing testing on some of the stuff being supplied by their suppliers and their own management reviews. So everybody has QA and QC, even though they try to separate what side of the aisle you're on. It's, it's really not the case. Both people have those. Sounds like communication is pretty key in this. Uh, how do you ensure that effective communication among all the team members is there to maintain quality and standards? The communication is very important with our inspectors out in different areas of the field that we can stay in touch with them and see what's going on. We have a WhatsApp chat that we set up that everybody's a part of. And throughout the day, we will post the schedule for the next day on that. The inspectors will check in so we know they're on site because not all of them come to the trailer in the morning first thing. They could just go directly to the site. So we know they're on site for safety purposes. And then throughout the day, they'll post pictures and some descriptions of what's going on. So we can see the routine work. If we see something that looks like we may need some further uh, confirmation or something needs to be addressed, maybe there's a, a small problem brewing, we ask them to look into that. We also use that to, to disseminate information. And they could also ask questions in. For example, our client now likes us to have these storm checklists if they're supposed to be a forecast for inclement weather. So we ask them, we put the word out when a storm checklist is required to our inspectors and to make sure the sites are secured against high winds or, or heavy rains. 
stuff is stored out of low IOE areas. We'll use that to disseminate very important information. And really, you can see what's going on throughout the entire day in the field. Because not everything always goes according to plan, as everyone knows. That helps to see the changes and react to them. Short of GoPro cameras or something on, on their hard hats showing continuous video, like in a spy movie or something, that keeps us very well informed. So that actually leads me right into the next question. We know this is construction. As you mentioned, things happen. Unexpected issues occur. Construction defects happen. How do you handle that in order to maintain overall quality on the project? We use each of our activities, our major activities. We have uh, checklists that we made for the inspectors. So that keeps going with what's supposed to happen. Inspection checklists. We create extra data sheets for any other additional information we want them to gather. For example, on a concrete placement, besides just keeping track of the test results for each of the batches that are tested, we have boxes or fields in there that they can fill out the uh, air pot number and then the calibration due dates for concrete air testing. Same thing with the scales if they're doing unit weight measurements. So that lets the inspector know they should look for that information. So we try to be as proactive as possible on that. And we've had issues in the past where the inspector now goes, oh, I'm going to check the air pot calibrations. And they find a uh, pot that's you know out of calibration by a couple of days. And usually we've been able to work and get a replacement pot on site before the uh, concrete trucks arrive and address that because it's easier to, to start the day with everything proper and not have to address an issue after the fact. They even found the air pot wasn't calibrated properly. Now what do we do? So we try to be as proactive as possible looking out for issues like that with checklists and data sheets that we ask the inspectors to fill out. MindForge is proud to sponsor this episode of the Construction Leaders Podcast. MindForge is a user-friendly app designed for specialty contractors to quickly and easily connect with their construction crews. After a quick setup, specialty contractors can use the MindForge app to quickly onboard their team members to send field chats, as well as begin sharing mission-critical announcements, videos, and images in just seconds. As a result, teams save valuable resources, manage work quality that much more closely, and ensure a safer environment for all. Visit www.mindforge.live to learn more. Brian, talk to me about the quality assurance process and how you engage the entire project team and create a culture of continuous improvement. We do a lot of communication in the field. We have staff meetings on a, on a weekly basis, what's going on, what we expect of everyone. Issues come up where we talk to the inspectors on how to address that. And we also, when people say, uh, maybe it's better if we do this instead, I'm always open to suggestions because the amount of things we have to remember and address on a daily basis is tremendous. So if people come up with something that makes your life easier, we're all for that. Try to be very approachable. I know a lot of places, people are afraid to talk to some of the managers, the pens. We, we try to be very approachable, especially with any junior staff to make sure that communication is going. That's really the key thing is that you want to foster that the people feel they can bring items up to your attention. That's really the most important thing that an inspector in the field takes that first step to bring that up. And you want to make sure people totally feel welcome doing it. Yeah, I think that leads to the fact that quality management happens at an organizational level as well, not just a project management level. Brian, can you tell us about a few stories, maybe some lessons learned from projects you've been on, both a success story of where 
maybe a tougher than usual quality assurance practice contributed to the success of the project? And on the other hand, was there maybe a failure story that you have where something backfired in regards to quality? Sure. When I was working on the uh, Governor Mario Cuomo Bridge early on, so this is the fall of 2013, we got together, uh, myself from the owner's side, and then the quality assurance and the quality control groups that the contractor had hired. And this was very successful. We, we all got together. We developed a, a joint concrete testing plan that, that everybody was going to follow. The owner's side, QA, the QC groups, that everyone was going to follow. We standardized our forms. We had color-coded cylinders that we had everybody use. So there wasn't any confusion with that in the field. We worked very closely with the company that was managing the web-based database that all this testing information was put into so we could make some of those screens mimic some of our forms so it was very easy to enter the data and how we were handling our, our sample naming convention, working with them. So we set that all up in advance and we really tried to work through almost all the items that we could possibly think of. And the great thing about it was that everybody was fully on board with doing this. We weren't dragging anyone against their will or no one had the attitude, I've been doing this for 30 years, so I don't need to listen to anything you're saying, or I'm just going to use my own company's procedure we always use and that's it. So so everybody was really involved and, and it really worked great because we actually avoided a lot of problems. And here and there, we had to make some tweaks along the way and address some issues that came up because obviously you can't predict everything. But by and large, each day the work became very routine for us and, and our plan worked really well. So I, I think that was very successful of, of people, despite being on different sides, the owner, the contractor side, working together really made a difference. Everyone knew what they had to do, what the other labs were going to do. There was really not a lot of questions. Um, we didn't want to have constant phone calls from the field. What do I do now? What do I do now? This happened. Everybody knew how to handle things. So that worked very well. I think on the on the failure side, I've worked with projects where we had some tracking logs and, and things that we set up that got too complicated. So that's very important. You don't want to make things more complicated than they need to be because it's very easy to mess up updated logs. We had this one log when a, a new fan motor was delivered or installed on this, this project. We were replacing fan motors in a ventilation building for a tunnel. You had to update information on three different tabs, and it was so easy to. You get very busy in the morning, and you're trying to rush through things and update on one tab, and then you forget the other tab. And then you realize that, and then what happens is now you start doubting everything you've entered for the last couple of weeks, and you start going back and checking it and looking for mistakes. And then you just start really wasting your time with that. When you want to set up tracking logs, things like that, you have to make sure that they're easy to update, that you'll remember to update them and be readily usable. I think that one got very complicated and in the end wasn't very helpful because you want to use logs like that for payments or schedule reviews. And you have to just be able to trust that information because if you're constantly going back doubting it, then you can't use it for its intended purpose. It's just a total waste of your time. I want to dive a little bit more into something you talked about and it triggered when you said dragging people down. So what do you do when you have somebody who's bringing like the whole team down and how do you get them back on track? We've handled this two different ways. We've initially approached the person totally off on the side, outside the trailer, in the construction yard where nobody's going to hear you talk. And then we just go over it, talk through the issues. We've also had 
part of our staff meetings. Maybe they're doing something, not taking the, the types of photos you need or, or different things or, or going up in the lifts or whatever it happens to be to, to see stuff up close. So what we've done is that we brought that up in a general sense, not singling people out, but that here's what we require of everyone involved to help just reinforce that. And then sometimes people come around and, oh yeah, sure, I you just, you know didn't understand. Not every inspector you could assume is just going to know right off the bat exactly what we want them to do. Obviously, communicating that to them is very important. And we try to do this obviously before there's any issues at the beginning of when they come on the job, making it clear what's expected. And then they know, obviously. But if they're not following up to expectations, we've done side meetings, general group meetings. Unfortunately, sometimes we've had to change people out. Not everyone is suited for a, a particular project. That doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad inspector. Some environments people are in, whether it's working at height, working over water, maybe they're not comfortable. Maybe they don't know how to swim or they're afraid of heights. And then telling someone to go up and lift 150 feet in the air if they're afraid of heights is not going to be good. And then obviously those type of fears and then they're afraid they can't do their job, that they don't really want to say something to you. It starts detracting from their performance which then is obviously not good for the group. Getting the right people in the right positions is very important. And obviously that's pretty much true of every job and every industry out there, which is always the continuing challenge. But that's very important because you can have the wrong situations like that. It does pull the whole team down, especially if you have to have people try to fill in for someone else and stuff like that. Uh, that does create a lot of issues sometimes with scheduling. Yeah, that makes total sense. Brian, going back to your definition of quality management, you talked about meeting the client's needs. How important is getting client feedback along the way during the construction process? And how do you incorporate that feedback into the quality assurance process? It's very important. Sometimes clients don't want to provide formal feedback. You send them a questionnaire, a survey, quality survey, and our company sends those out a lot. They might not respond. Or sometimes the clients send official feedback, maybe on a yearly basis or something, and they don't want to write anything that sounds too bad or something in there. It depends on the client. But you do pick up a lot of times just on phone discussions or, or things, or maybe you send an email and the phone rings, hey, you maybe could have done this different or that. And I've had that happen. It's very important to pay attention to those things. And I even noticed sometimes... If something sounds a little nitpicky, if you really look at it, maybe uh, take a, a step back for a few minutes and, and then take a look at it. Many times there's items that can actually just help you be that much better. I've had some comments. So we, we don't want you to just forward emails around. We don't pay you to do that. We want you to write a clean email back to the contractor with, with our information or vice versa. And, and at first you think, all right, this is just a nitpicky email. But then you're like, actually, comment like that helps you be much more polished. I know it's so easy for people to forward emails around and in a rush these days, but it just looks that much better. And the key things is when the client does give me some feedback is don't make that mistake again. And usually it goes very well. So we fold those type of comments into our plans of what we're doing or maybe modify our procedures a bit to take those into account. That's really the key things is to incorporate it and not create the same problem again. And then in the client's mind, they're not telling you the same thing. I always tell you this. I always tell you this. Now that's how they get upset. If it's a one-off and then solves, usually you're fine. 
So we have time for one last question, and it's something we like to do with all of our guests uh, in some way or shape or form. And I'm going to coin a new acronym here for us, Carly, and that's we're going to call the Construction Leaders Podcast is the CLP. So on the, here on the CLP, we like to ask you to break out your crystal ball and talk to us about two things. One, where do you see quality management trending in the next few years? Meaning, is there any drastic changes, particularly when it comes to leading teams with all the things you talk about with the health and mental health and things like that coming down the line and stuff you've mentioned earlier. But the second thing I want you to do is think back to your 10 years ago when you first started in the construction side of things. What, what advice would you give yourself from 10 years ago that you Look, as far as where I see quality going, and this is a, a big topic these days with the use of AI. And if you think about that, any other kind of software that we used to have in our quality systems, we're using a, a design software. It had to be validated. that just getting you the correct answers, how it's working. The same situation with AI, right? That if you're having to do certain things for you, that you have to be able to validate the results that it's giving you and that you're getting correct things, right? Because you don't want to make decisions on incorrect information or, or whatever you're having the AI system do. So that'd be very important, folding that into quality because it could be very useful, but then you misuse the tool uh, you could end up in, in trouble, which obviously doesn't look good with your client. So I think that'll be very important is folding AI into that, validating the results of it, data security issues with with AI, right? Everybody's using like the chat GPT and stuff, but just uploading all this info to it or having things you're doing, that information is just staying out there someplace, right? That it's no longer potentially a client's proprietary information. Addressing issues like that, I, I think will be very big in, in quality going forward. As far as giving advice looking back 10 years, I think changing sides from like design side, obviously start doing design work and you get a lot of experience doing it. Obviously with that experience comes confidence, right? And then you jump over to the construction side and yeah, everything you're seeing in the field is is derived from design. So you understand what's going on with that. But it's a different different animal, obviously, construction than design. And, and I think sometimes maybe here and there I was a little hesitant, taking the next step, or you're afraid you're going to mess something up, especially when I first started. So I think I would have told myself, trust yourself, your ability to do it. You do have a lot of experience to draw on from design, and there's a lot of validity to that, and, and go for it. I, I think that would be my advice, yeah, to myself. I think that's good advice. I think we hear a lot about that kind of stuff over time, but... I've heard a lot about AI, and that could probably be its own podcast here. Stay tuned. We'll probably have one again this year. We had one last year, but it will continue to drive down there because I'm hearing stories of owners denying proposals because somebody used AI to help write the proposal and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So I know that stuff's out there. So that's something to keep in mind. Thank you, Brian. You're welcome. And I'd like to thank you as well, Brian. Thank you for joining the podcast today. It was great to speak with you. Thank you. On the next episode of CMAA's Construction Leaders Podcast, we will be joined by Penny Tilden, a Senior Advisor of Infrastructure with the Embassy of Switzerland here in the United States. Penny will be discussing the challenges, triumphs, and future prospects of Switzerland's large-scale infrastructure mandate and what it takes to coordinate similar programs. As always, make sure to download or subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at CMAA underscore HQ. Also, don't forget to leave us a review with your thoughts on today's episode and let us know what you'd like to hear from us in the future. 
On behalf of CMAA, I'm Carly Trout with Nick Soto. Thanks for listening.